1: Welcome, thanks so much for joining us today. This is Authentically You, social interaction for the mind and soul. You're listening to Society Bites Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Himmer. Your turn.
3: Oh, and I'm Sherry Himmer.
1: We practice this, remember?
3: Oh, yeah. Right now, we did.
1: (laughs) So, we're going to talk for the next 25 minutes about healing and growth from the inside out. Remember, you're 100% responsible for your happiness, joy, and well-being. In our last show, Sherry, we talked a little bit about the drama triangle: being a victim, being a rescuer, being a persecutor,
3: and and what that played with um, understanding communication, um, and we and the building the foundation of how to stay out of the victim trap, right? As a communication awareness.
1: So, as a, a summary, would you just review real quick the Ralph and Gertie summary, and then we're going to go into a foundation on effective communication.
3: So when. When Ralph um projected what he really you know, changed a routine that caused her to Gertie to leave him at church. and um, <clears throat> that you know he projected um, uh, and be, and went into the victim trap of being left and isolating himself, that the other party that the Gerties of us all, need to stay neutral as someone does that because as you try to fix or rescue, you get drawn in and you become a victim. And that just, you can't communicate, you can't have effective communication unless you can stay neutral when others around you are doing that. So you have to recognize that in conversations and in just the interactions because what we're doing, you know, is um, taking care of the needs of life. The comings and goings of life, and we have little bumps in the road, and not create those create let those bumps push us into things that really are not a big deal.
1: So, in the last show, Sherry shared how um, the night before I had gone into a, a complete meltdown off of some information that was provided. one piece of
3: There's information. One piece
1: of information, and it really threw me for a loop.
3: You know, so that's another one of those takeaways: <clears throat> is that in communication. Sometimes you don't know, but one thing could be a trigger for someone else. Yeah. So this is staying neutral while others around you get triggered or flooded and go into the victim trap.
1: And if you're the one who does flood, which was my case on that given night, um, having the awareness that you are flooding, that you're moving mm-hmm. to a fight, flight, freeze or faints position is powerful. You may not be able to stop the fact that you flood you could stop the damage you would do by what you would normally say. Right.
3: And we talked about what kind of time frame it took for you who had high awareness of what was happening to recover. It was three hours.
1: Well, I'd like to argue it was less, but the point was I never made it personal. Right. And when we, about, what, 45 minutes later when we got into the hot tub, I was able to start processing because I knew I, there was something there that's missing. And when I said verbally, and this is an interesting thing, that here, here's the principle. The principle is whatever happens in the upstairs brain will happen in the downstairs, and what happens in the downstairs goes to the upstairs. I knew something was missing. I just didn't know what, and I abreacted reacted to it before I could get my senses together. So in the hot tub, and you, I remember you, you, when you came over to me, you looked at me in the eyes, and you said, how is it you said, your brain is interesting, or you're, you're, it's interesting to watch what you're doing? Because I knew something was going on that I had to find an answer to, but I didn't have the answer right now, so I needed to start the process. There's something missing here. I'll find it. That's all I said. There's something missing. I'll find it. And if you remember, I did find it. I was able to make sense of it. You were
3: able to kick in your rational brain and start looking at other data to say, okay, what does this really, really mean? And how does it really compare to what we're you know, right. experiencing elsewhere? So you could... Take a T chart and make a comparison.
1: Yeah. Okay, so this is the story. Um, years and years ago, I was offered the opportunity to do a one-hour session with an organizational psychologist back east by the name of Dr. Wayne Diamond. I believe I've shared this before, but it bears repeating. Um, it was a one-hour appointment, and ten minutes into the appointment, it's a it's telephonically. This is years and years ago, so there wasn't even um, FaceTime, FaceTime, Skype, Skype mm-hmm. back in those days. And so we're 10 minutes into it. I mostly have a yellow pad of paper. I'm taking notes. And 10 minutes into the story, he goes, Richard, would you like to know what your problem is? And I thought um, a number of things went through my head. One, that's audacious. Two, what if he really knows? (laughs) (laughs) Three.
3: How could he know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. If it's three, how could he know? Then, wow, that's that's over the top. But four – What if he says this to everybody? I had no idea. So I said, yeah, um, I'm I'm interested. And he goes, well, your problem is you have to be right. And I remember my whole body getting angry, feeling warm, my stomach turning upset a little bit, and thinking, no, I don't. And in that moment, I did have awareness that, wow, what a visceral reaction I had to that statement. I said, "Okay, can you tell me more?" But I wasn't calm on the inside. I was actually quite angry at him for for being so bold to call you out. And how would he know? Now I'm my amygdala is moving, and I'm saying, "There's no way you know." Because but somehow
3: a- you stayed engaged with the conversation because one, you were paying him, and two, oh, yeah. you wouldn't have been there if you weren't wanting to know more about yourself.
1: Correct. So So were you a little bit curious? No, a lot of bit curious. Okay. I just was in denial.
3: Half half denial and half curious. Well,
1: I was in denial. It could be about me. And I remember rationalizing. And remember how fast the brain works. I I remember rationalizing thinking, this is clearly not for me. This is for other people. So I'm going to take copious notes so I can benefit (laughs) the the masses, right? I was clearly a self-help junkie. It wasn't about being a lifelong learner. I wanted to fix other people. Now, that was a fleeting thought. I'll admit that. I thought that. But in reality, I was so intrigued that what he said, I did take copious notes. So I want to share what his notes are. I have them written down word for word, at least the initial parts. So first of all, he said, what is the primary purpose for effective communicating? I'm adding the word effective. And I didn't have an answer. You know, we've asked. You've heard me ask this to thousands of people, and we hear all sorts of things, such as to get your point across, uh, to connect. Um, what are some things you've heard people say? Why do we to,
3: to transfer information? Right, mm-hmm.
1: right. But but what's really what Dr. Diamond said is there's really only one reason to effectively communicate, and that is to seek understanding. That is to understand the other person's perspective. What is it not? that's when you try to get the other person to agree with you. Or I've even had people say it this way, but I am seeking understanding. I'm trying to get them to understand, understand my me. Point
3: yeah. Of me. It's all about understanding me
1: and that's agreement think, think, Seeking. So let's be clear. Understanding means I'm going to try, if you and I are talking, I'm going to try to understand Sherry's position. Agreement is I'm going to try to get Sherry to understand my position. So on that Moment when I had my little AB reaction to the amount of taxes that we'd have to pay if we were to buy a said home, um, you did you feel that I was trying to convince you that I was right in any way?
3: No, I didn't because I had one. No, I was I I, I was watching you like a fly on the wall um, go through the process because yeah. I had studied it out so I knew what it was.
1: Um, but in my abreaction, I no doubt tried to, to say things or intone things that, see, I'm right. This is terrible. Well, um, and woe you, is me. Pity, pity me. Helpless me.
3: Can I quote you? You pretty much said, "Well, that will never work. That's not going to happen." And so, um, and I, <laughs> yeah, you, I you, you, you pretty much just shut down the whole idea for the moment. Yeah. And and it wasn't, I'm like, yeah, And this is how the taxes work in this, you know, geographical location. It's a different system. And I wasn't even going to try to convince you. No, um, you didn't. I was just like, yeah. this is what it is. And I'll walk away while you reel in reaction to it.
1: And keep in mind, that was such a powerful moment for me. When I realized <laughs> that you weren't going to do anything about that. And I wasn't expecting you to. I was pretty content. Just processing it on my own. Because it
3: is what it is. I can't change that. It's all perception of what things
1: are. So watching a documentary not too long ago called In Utero, and we shared a little bit about Mm -hmm. one of our podcasts, Mm -hmm. Um, what was so profound at the end of the documentary was what one of the scientists said. She said that when a baby is understood, the baby is loved. Being understood is being loved.
3: And, you know, I would argue that when another person can stay more neutral, I think more understanding can happen. Because as another person reacts to someone else's reaction, then it really is about them, and there isn't understanding of the other person.
1: Well said. There's no empathy there.
3: So last segment, we really nailed that idea of staying neutral in interactions where there's bumps in the road. Mm -hmm. Um, and just really trying to hone down what neutrality looks like. But for the very reason of true understanding can't happen without neutrality.
1: Well said, because there's a bias.
3: You have to keep the static out of the air.
1: And so what happens, the bias comes in based upon experiences, and you want to bring your experiences into the story. And as soon as you start seeing the world through these lenses – you do remove neutrality. You're no longer seeking to understand. You're placing an agreement factor into the story. Yeah. So, um, what Dr. Diamond then went on to say, and I took these, these are almost word for word. So, his first bullet point to me was when you try to have others agree with your point of view, you are trying to be right. What's it like? Okay, let's go Ralph and Gertie from the previous. Um, where Ralph, remember, he was frustrated because his wife left him at church. She then felt guilty about it, came back. Well, she felt silly. Mm-hmm. And then, then it, it kind of got worse, right? And it
3: was nothing more than a silly
1: yeah. thing. And, and and how many times have I done this? So I'm not – there's no dispersions, guess. This is so normal for our behavior. Mm-hmm. But when we're trying to get the other person to see our point of view – that's agreement-seeking. Yep. That's the antithesis of what Dr. Diamond was explaining. You're going against the flow of understanding and the break, violating the principle of acceptance and violating the principle of awareness. Yep. Number two, when you're trying to prove your point, you're not listening. And I would say when you're trying to prove your point, your mouth is moving, and therefore you can't be listening.
3: Yeah, last night when you had your reaction to the, the tax price tag. Um, I could have tried to start persuading you to see rationale right in that moment as you're having the ab reaction. I could have tried to prove a point. I could have defended the taxes or why it's not so bad or anything like that. And I wouldn't have been giving you space. You couldn't listen to me and I'm not listening to your emotional
1: reaction. It's true because when you when you do try to explain me and give me da- data, when you're not ready, I which can. I do a lot, <clears throat> I was not going to say that. Um, and that's, that's why called, I said it. but see, that was where connect and redirect comes in. Here's our principle. We've covered this before. When someone's having a rough go, you've got to get down to what's being activated in the moment, and that's the amygdala. You're all in emotions, you're all at the subconscious level. For you to try to go and communicate to the subconscious with the cortical area, the conscious, the upstairs brain, which is logical and reasonable, it's going to be passing, two strangers in the night passing. No connection will be made.
3: So it's not effective communication. That's the big takeaway. So it's a like,
1: violation of yeah. principle because you're not an understanding. But the connect and redirect is also a principle or a technique of communication where you find out what's going on with them. Yeah. Number three. When you're not listening, you're not present. Being present is critical. All I remember is how many times have I spoken to when I was a youth, and I would try to talk to my mom or something like that, and they wouldn't even look at me and say, go ahead, I'm listening while she's typing on her IBM Selectric. That's still a memory that's very, very well ensconced in my mind, because it kind of illustrated what I felt my life was like. Her body was there. But her mind was not her presence was not husbands wives uh, supervisors co-workers parents being present means that you are completely there so you're there in the moment and you're listening to what they have to say and number four when you're not present you cannot tr- build trust it's not possible and trust and respect is everything so then he went on to say the following <clears throat> Now what I'm, I'm going to read this. Just listen to the words, and in your mind's eye, what would be the most important word out of this next sentence? If agreement comes, it is only after understanding has been established. And as I've listened to people, they've given me every word just about in there. Well, they might
3: say agreement or understanding,
1: but it's really if. It's not required to have agreement. So last night, or the, you know, when this happened. Um, and we're supposed to act like this happened a long time ago because this is be a delay, right? This will be presented to someone. Well, whatever, to this later this, on the
3: story about the taxes, your reaction to taxes.
1: Had, had you tried to get me to agree that this is just what is? That's just, Or that it's a good thing, or, or it's, or not, as it's not as bad as It's you not think. as bad as, and that would have probably been the, the M.O., right? right?
3: It's not as bad as you think.
1: Yeah, we can make this work or whatever. Mm-hmm. It would have not have come across for me to listen to at all. But it, because you just listened to me talk, and you did ask a few questions, but you, at some point in time, you started finding this amusing. And I recognize that.
3: It was uh, amusing right from the moment. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't laugh, but I kind of wanted to.
1: You did later on. Yeah. Okay. And then eventually he said, when you feel safe, you feel empowered. And you're willing to delegate control to the conver- of the conversation to another, which fosters a relationship based on mutual trust and respect. That actually wasn't Dr. Diamond. That was me. That was developed after that.
3: Talk about that control. When you delegate the control of the conversation, why is that important? What does that really mean?
1: So, do you remember some time ago we talked about flipping? Mm-hmm. Frequent, low risk, personal, positive, and neutral. Yes. The idea behind flipping is it's a horizontally based conversation designed to build trust into a place where it's been completely absolved or that's very limited. The reason that trust is so critical, the way we go here, is that what we want to do is take control over the direction of the conversation. And give all the power to the person we're talking to. So let's just say for argument, I'm your dad and you're my daughter. And I haven't really been present for you. Life has been busy for me. And I've got all the reasons in the world why I haven't been present. And when I come up to you and say, hey, honey, how's school go today? You give me a teenage mm-hmm. grunt. Uh, yes,
3: yeah, same.
1: Matter. Well, no, tell me. I'm really interested, dear. Tell me what's going on. How's your class? fine. And why wouldn't the daughter want to talk to her then?
3: Because there's been a history of not being connected or interested.
1: Yeah. And so there's no trust. Yeah. So the whole purpose behind this is if I can ask a question that's neutral and you can give me an answer that is authentic and I don't judge your answer, I don't opine on your answer, I don't criticize you, I don't correct you, I've now moved into that connect position And you start feeling a greater sense of trust in that space. So I shared, I I don't know if I told this story, but years ago, I did a a number of parent workshops at the Boys and Girls Club here locally. Mm, I
3: remember those. Mm -hmm.
1: And uh, I remember after one class, I had a mom come up to me and she was pretty somber. She said, I've got a 17-year-old daughter. She's a senior in high school. I'm a single mom. She's my only daughter. And we really haven't spoken since her freshman year. We just don't talk. Um, and I didn't ask her why it was, we were, I was walking, I was packing up to leave. And she said, what can I do? I'm driving from Gig Harbor to Spokane tomorrow. This is a Thursday night. We're leaving on Friday and we're coming back Saturday for some, some academic thing for her daughter. Mm -hmm. Well, for those of you who don't know, that's about a five hour drive, right? That's a long time in a car sitting next to someone who won't talk to you. I said, well, here's an idea. And I taught her flipping. I said, ask her a question about something you know she's interested in, and I don't care if you're interested in it. If she plays Halo or she plays whatever, if she likes Barbies, if she's into hip-hop, it is irrelevant as to what you like. This isn't about you, it's about her. You're giving her a gift of you. She goes, oh, okay. And I said, now remember, whatever answer she gives you, Ask a question based on her answer. All right. To
3: go deeper into
1: what her interest is. Right. And and remember, I said, just make it horizontal. Just have fun with it and keep asking her questions about her. And here's the rules that you can't do. No opinions at all. No, no judging, no criticism, and no relating. You can't tell, oh, yeah, I know what you're going through, dear. Makes sense? So the four things, no criticism, no judging, no relating, and no...
3: And what do you mean by horizontal in the conversation?
1: You don't have to go into feelings. Okay. Just talk about it. Horizontal going to feelings will deepen the relationship. We need to establish it. There's no root system at all right now. So using this idea, when you feel safe, you feel empowered. You empower your daughter when you're controlling the direction of the conversation, but it can only happen... If she delegates the control of the direction, not the person, there's a huge difference here. When I visit, when I meet people for the first time, I'm the one asking the questions they love. Well, remember the um, flame back from Hawaii, the -hmm. gentleman sitting Mm -hmm. next to us, Marcus. Yeah. Gaze is this young man coming from Hawaii, big strapping, good looking guy. Right. But he's coming out as a senior in high school to scope out a a college university here in the Puget Sound to see if he wants to play for it. Well, for the first 45 minutes or so, I just talked about what he's gonna look for. How will he evaluate the coach? What will he see in the university? What means a lot to him? Well, he sent me a text about three days later saying that he did accept their offer, is going to play for them. But it's the last part of the text that really hit home. He said, thank you so much for visiting me on that airplane. That's something I will never forget. My takeaway on that was when you love somebody, if you really understood love, you'll understand that person. And I I felt like I had the ability to find out what was going on in his home life because of how he represented um, his value structure on determining if he wants to go to that school or not.
3: Well, and he was a stranger in your midst on an airplane ride. And it's not that you're saying, Oh, I love everybody who sits next to me in an airplane. No,
1: that's <clears> not, That's true.
3: I'd... But you gave him a gift for him to be able to have clarity when he was making these really important decisions in the life. And that's, you know, what he said back the text was that thank you for that gift of being able to, for me to see myself. Well, in essence, that is love.
1: And the idea here is you're you're taking control over that beautiful environment and inviting everyone to be in space of, of neutrality. That's what the control is. And Marcos Marcus gave me that control. He handed it to me. He says, Keep asking me questions, as long as it's safe, I'll answer. It's when it becomes unsafe that the teenage daughter right. stopped talking. So here's what happened. Yeah that again. I just hit the mute button. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Uh, what happened to the teenage daughter and the mom? So she came back care? the next Thursday and I get there early to set up and she came early. She came over to me and, and crying. She gives me a big hug and I said, how'd it go? And she said, my, my daughter talked to me for five hours. As a matter of fact, she didn't stop talking. It was the most amazing thing I've ever heard. I said, well, what worked? What happened? She said, I did what she said. I didn't offer an opinion. And I said, okay, why is that so powerful then? She said, because that's what I normally do. I tell her what to do. I tell her my point of view. I let her know that when I was that age, I didn't do it this way or that I did it this way. And in this time, I didn't even say anything. I just kept asking her questions. I don't think I asked very good questions. But because it was so safe, my daughter just talked to me for the entire way there and the entire way back. I've never had that happen before.
3: So you don't have to be a polished <clears throat> conversationalist or have these amazing, deep, profound questions. It's really the driving flow of being interested in that person and keeping yourself out of the space that allows them to feel safe with you and be able to open up like that. Um, You touched on what the mom said. Was like, I was always telling her what she should be doing. Mm-hmm. and It wasn't just oh, this is what I think. It's what I think you should be doing. And that's called shooting. It's one of our communication blind spots. We're going to probably go into next segment, right?
1: I hope we get there. Okay.
3: We've got a few more that we want to touch on, but I love that she was able to show the antithesis to the problem of shooting and that it's keeping the flow and the direction going towards them, the interested flow in them.
1: So we're out of time. so I want to wrap this up. Here's my takeaway from Dr. Diamond. His profound idea that effective communication is to understand the other person and then coupled with researchers' re, um, discovery that when a baby is understood, a baby is loved, these are, we're talking 20 years apart from each other, that these great minds have discovered the same principle.
3: And when we talk about love and it's this fluffy thing, you know, thing that has no legs in terms of our lives. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it feels like, like it's it's just out so abstract, but love is being able to understand someone else and let them know that they are understood.
1: And when they are understood, trust is developed, respect is developed. And here's the key component. It's very challenging to love another person until you can start loving yourself. And that's what this entire show is about. Learning how to connect with yourself, learning how to... Bring the integrated process of your upstairs brains with your downstairs brains and being able to trust and respect who you are. Who are you really on the inside? And we argue that you're perfect. You're perfect because everything that happens to you is exactly what you need at that time to grow closer to that integration process, to your God. Perfect's a mistake that gets a retake. And we'll continue this in the next segment, moving into some more blank spots. Thanks for listening. but I can't quite drown it out. I'm tortured every day. These never ending worries, falling on my sleeve. So
0: many times now, I was... The Medicare annual election period deadline is coming soon. I'm Meredith Fiera, here with examples of people who found the key to the right coverage at myhealthpolicy.com. Meet Larry, he likes doing things online. I took my time and found the best Medicare Advantage plan for me at myhealthpolicy.com. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plan, so I called myhealthpolicy.com. And finally,
2: Michael. I prefer face-to-face, so I chose myhealthpolicy.com and enrolled on the spot.